right. Welcome to Twin Shadows Podcast. Steven, how, yes, buddy. How, how, how was your week, man? You know what? I've been thinking back, and we're barely in 2020, right? Barely. It's February. It has been quite a fucking month. It's like yes. we're barely in January. Yeah. Trump has been impeached, and he's been found not guilty, I guess. He's been... Trump's still around. Uh, we almost went to war with Iran. Yeah. Kobe Bryant has passed away and his daughter and like seven other, uh, an entire family almost. Yeah. And just as of late, the great Kirk Douglas has passed away. There may be an asterisk attached to that greatness. What are we even talking about? Oh, yeah. The news. So, you know, like it's been such a rough start of the year but at fucking least trump dude but at least there's a good there's a good element there john a, williams just had his 88th birthday oh today that God. we're recording this on happy birthday so, john. happy birthday john williams one of I the will say greatest he, composers i mean he has how you said he has the most oscars he's won the most person? oscars of any person that's so amazing you know and like so much of, like i know a lot of people have criticized his music as he's stealing and that's something to acknowledge. But I don't, I'm not educated enough. I'm ignorant in that fact. And John Williams has been one of the greatest composers. And happy birthday, John Williams. Oh, happy. ladies and gentlemen, news just came in. John Williams is dead. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, happy birthday, John Williams. I will say he's made bad movies great. He made Star Wars what it is. He made Indiana Jones what it Star is. Star Wars isn't bad. Indiana Jones bad no but he's he honestly dude those scores make those movies i will say this i won't be someone that's negative i'm done with negativity lucky mckee taught me this i'm done with negativity this is the episode 41 where we talk to lucky mckee the amazing, awesome filmmaker. And you guys will listen to our interview with him very shortly. I heard it connecting. Hello. Hi, Lucky. See you. That's a nice setup. <laughs> Thank you. You got the scotch, the whole deal. I like yeah. your style. And Tom's coming over, the one you've been talking Tom's to this whole time. He's, he's frightening, so be prepared. Hi. Okay. Oh, cool. All right, all right. So, Hi, how's so it going? Are we starting here? I'm good. How uh, you we, guys living? Pretty good. We have some scotch. We're I doing guess really I, good with this scotch, you know? I'm jealous. We owe you a bottle, for sure. <laughs> 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 we normally take our guests out to dinner and all that stuff, but... Oh, man, I'm missing out. You're, yeah, we, you're a little far. <laughs> we try to treat them good. I love Taco Bell. <laughs> then you're a perfect kind of guest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're in our budget. <laughs> This is my budget. Yeah. So how's it going? How has your week been? Uh, good. Good. Oh, I guess we should no, do introductions. No, no, no. Hi, I'm I'm Tom. We've been talking. Yeah, hey, I'm Stephen, as you know, and we have a very special guest today. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for uh, having me. We always like that. We're just nerds that love talking about movies, and hey, I'm one of those myself. Yeah, and you're our most successful guest. So this is awesome. Oh. <laughs> appreciate it we, we've been we've been living in your world for the past two weeks just watching your entire filmography and 
Oh gosh. I feel like we're like, we, we know you by now. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Yeah. I, I liked everything I saw so far, so that's great. I mean, I've seen everything, oh, I think. The only one cool, I didn't see man. is Red. I haven't seen Red yet. Yeah, Red was one that I I, I directed uh, half of it and then parted ways with the production, so somebody oh, else okay. finished it. So that oh, one's wow. a sore spot. But Oh, well, I'm glad I didn't watch I'm it. Pr- I'm, I'm <laughs> proud of the work. I'm proud of the work that I did in it. But, yeah, and we're uh, glad we brought it up, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. So what do you guys want to talk about? Yeah, so we wanted to talk to you about like one, just like, like kind of what inspired you to get into movies, like some of your, your favorite films growing up. Uh, so I mean, we could start there. Like, what were some of the movies that you watched as a kid, like just nonstop? I feel well, like everyone has like that movie they almost destroyed the VHS tape on. Right. Um, I mean, the stuff I was into was just the stuff I had access growing up. I grew up in like a really rural environment, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And oh yeah, let's start there. Where did you grow up? If you don't mind, uh, I grew up in Northern California, Northern California, like about an hour uh, east of Stockton in the foothills, Calaveras County. Oh, wow. Yeah. we just lived on five acres in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So it was just me my mom, my sister and, you know, and my dad uh, and a bunch of farm animals and stuff like that. <laughs> so I didn't, you know, I, I would going to the movies was very, very, that was the equivalent of going to Disneyland to me when I was a child. Cause okay. I would maybe go to the movies like once every year, once every two years. So I only really saw a handful of movies up until about the age of about, 10 years old in, in the theater, you know, till about 10, oh. till I was about 10 or 12, somewhere in there, my parents got divorced and my dad and I started going to the movies together reg- regularly. And, uh, you know, obviously once I could drive and stuff like that, I was just, and you know, I started working on farms and dog kennels and stuff like that when I was about 11 or 12 too. So I started having money in my pocket and I was able to kind of seek that stuff out myself. But the movie that made me pick up a camera was, were the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Okay. Yeah. The uh. Yeah. They were, um, those are so good. Yeah. It was just I, I was hanging out with a with a, with a friend, and he happened to have one of those old video cameras that were were. Uh, it's like a camera that's connected to a wire, and you carry the the like a VCR around with it, um, which is <laughs> oh, like man. yeah, this is yeah yeah yeah, and it, that was even ancient then. You know, yeah. he just happened to have this old, uh, this old camera. We made our we made our first movie. We made our own little. Freddy movie. We made like the makeup and stuff like that, and I got oh. to play Freddy. And yeah, awesome. Cool. awesome. How old were you when yeah. you did that? How old was I? Yeah. How old? I, I was. I was eleven. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, that's probably. Yeah. I got. We got. I got started in in uh, junior high making movies, and I think that's like a good. Yeah. Age. That's like a. I think that's yeah, when people yeah, yeah. start start really like figuring out like how to use the equipment and stuff. Yeah, totally. And I, you know. uh Shortly after that, I worked an entire summer at a horse ranch and earned enough money to buy my first video camera. My dad bought it for me, but I made payments on it every month. And by the end of the summer, I paid it off and I had my first camera, which was a Panasonic OmniVision VHS camera that I bought at Montgomery oh. Wards. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. So yeah. uh, is that the camera you used to make all cheerleaders die? Because I know you guys did like... No, no, okay. no. All Cheerleaders Die was after I graduated. I graduated college in 1997, and then my buddy Chris and I uh, wrote and directed that movie together in the summer of 1998. And we shot that with a VX1000, which was the first kind of major kind of prosumer digital camera that okay. they made. It was, it was, you shot on mini DV tapes. Yeah. Yeah, my, my first little camera was a, a mini DV 
Those things are pretty yeah. awesome, though. Except I miss it. I actually <laughs> wish I still had a nice functioning VX one thousand or VX twenty one hundred. Those are great cameras. Yeah, though transferring on FireWire was a nightmare. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so then you went to? Did you go to college for filmmaking? Yeah, I went to I went to uh, USC Film School. I was in the screenwriting program there in Southern California. Okay. Because my my idol going into college was George Lucas because he. He grew up about an hour, about an hour from where I grew up, and I was obviously really enamored with anything because it was kind of all I had access to. You know, I was really enamored with Star Wars and Indiana Jones and uh, and the Jim Henson stuff. Uh, awesome. So just reading everything I could, I could find in the library about George Lucas and read his biography and learned about USC that way, and then around that same time in high school. John Singleton became a really big deal with Boys in the Hood, and he had gone through the filmic writing program at USC. And I didn't think I was—I didn't think I had good enough grades or test scores to get into the production school, which is what I really wanted to be in. So I opted for the screenwriting program, uh, only to find out later that it was a much harder program to get into, because <laughs> they only accept twenty-four students a year. Holy it's shit! Like trying, it's like trying to get into like Harvard or Yale or something. But I didn't—I didn't know that. I just, you know. Yeah. I just lucked out and I got in. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. So, so then you graduate and you 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 guys make all cheerleaders die. Now I couldn't find it. the The original is is it is it out there to find? Uh, no, it's not. It's not like commercially <laughs> available. I'm sure it's been bootlegged and stuff like that. But, but yeah, we haven't we haven't actually put it put it out. We should though. We should do that. They, the the Alamo Draft House does this thing called Video Vortex, which are just these really weird, like shot on video, like B movies. I've been thinking about maybe talking to them and seeing if they want to show that. Yeah, I would that. love to see. I mean, I like program the program they do. I really like the remake. Oh, thank but, you. And I was looking around for. I was like, I want to see how close the original is. It was cool to do the remake because Chris and I, you know, we were about a year out from film school, and we just decided, you know, nobody's going to give us, you know, nobody's just going to give us money to make our screenplays so we just said what's like the cheapest like cheapest thing that we can do let's just do like something that's really fun not something that's too self-serious and let's write it together direct it together shoot it together you know when i was holding the camera he was holding the boom vice versa we did all the editing ourselves all the sound design we taught ourselves how to make a movie and by making our first film together we were kind of like learning twice as much because we were learning from each other's, you know, our own discoveries and mistakes, but also from each other's. So after I made The Woman, I wanted to do something kind of light and fun because The Woman was like a super dark movie yeah, to live yes. with and dark, dark mental space to live in. Not only making the film, but then going on the road and having to talk about it for, for a year. Oh, I couldn't. Yeah. Because you have yeah. to watch it over and over. Right. Yeah. That's a dark movie. <laughs> more than once. But uh, yeah, so when we came to the idea of doing cheerleaders, it was like, you know what, let's let's take that same base concept and make a new version of it and just kind of apply everything that we'd kind of learned, you know, getting our film career started in between. Because Chris had at that time was doing really well directing his own films and I had I'd made a few things and uh, it just seemed like a cool, it was like a cool bookend. You know, awesome yeah our, to our beginning and to where we were at, our, at that point in our lives um, yeah, and it really was just fun to like team back up with like a buddy because we have like this like really like bizarre like mutual sense of humor that happens when the two of us are together which i'm sure you have with everybody has with their best friends yeah know? i mean um, literally that's kind of what we did we were just like 
we didn't go to college for, or I didn't go to college at all. I literally started working <laughs> right after high school just to yeah. support family and stuff like that. Sure. And it's like, I've been making shorts for forever. And, and Steven, uh, he's been in photography and he works at a college doing the, in the arts and the arts. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's like, well, no one's going to give us, like you said, no one's going to give you money to make a movie. <laughs> like, like I, it's yeah. pretty hard to find any kind of financing or anything like that. So we're like, let's just do it ourselves. We bought a red and went to, L- I mean, we were an hour away from LA. So we're just like, Hey, there's so many actors here. Like we, it's anyone want to just get together and make a movie. And that's kind of how it started for us. Um, yeah. so it's cool to sound that uh, hear that, that, that kind of, that worked out for you guys. Hopefully, you know, my fingers crossed it works out for us. So yeah, you, we learned, I learned probably, you know, you, you learn a lot just kind of going out there and just forcing yourself to do it. We just, we shot it in my hometown where I grew up. The actors that we cast in it just kind of slept on the floor in the back room of the house. And we just spent two four day weekends and just like bang that movie out. It was, it was, it was such a great feeling to make, to make our first movie. It's a awesome. wonderful feeling. We felt 10 foot tall and bulletproof when we were making yeah. that thing. But yeah, so what's like one standout memory or feeling that you have? Can you carry that same enjoyment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I I I I I love being on a set. It's like it's very strange because I'm the type of person that if I have to like get up in front of a large group of strangers and like talk or something like that, I get incredibly nervous and you know I just kind of have panic attacks and stuff like that. But when I'm when I'm making something and I'm working with a bunch of cool artists and stuff, I don't mind standing in the middle of a group of 50 people and, you know, trying to pump them up. And I, I don't know, it's a, it's a different thing. I feel very, very at home on, on a film set. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So then you, you finished making all cheerleaders die. How long from then was it till you made May? I finished cheerleaders in 99. May's and 2001. May came out in 2002, but I started okay. I started working with that company in the year 2000. And uh, so we finished that in 99. And then basically about a year after we finished that, I had been trying to like make different short films. And I was actually trying to make that script I wrote, Roman, which Angela ended up making, ended up directing. Yeah, that's the one you saw, right? You are, that's... Yeah, yeah. But I was trying to make that movie with me directing and with another actor friend of mine, a um, couple actor friends of mine. I was trying to figure out how to put that together and I was writing, you know, just writing a lot and stuff and making a bunch of short films. And I had a buddy I was making short films with at the time. And I, he kind of, he got the bug of movie making and I was kind of like teaching him everything that I knew. Yeah. It was like spring of 2000. I just got a call from a guy I used to know in film school that had read the May script back when I wrote it my junior year of college. And he he had tried to get the movie made back then because he he just loved the idea of it and we were going to school with this girl Sasha Alexander who actually ended up being a pretty successful actress and she really wanted to make it and it just never worked out but he called me you know what three years later and he still remembered that script and he was starting a production company and he asked me if I still wanted to make that and I said yes so I came down to LA and slept on my friend's couch and like worked at like this dumb internet company for about six months or something like that and you know ended up making the movie so awesome so are, yeah. is, are you full-time filmmaker now you don't that's what you do that's what you're doing yeah i mean i, I struggle <laughs> you know uh i yeah. struggle but i i'm just some some 
some years I'm running on fumes and some years I'm not, you know, it's, it's especially the kind of movies I make. I don't get real, you know, my last movie, you know, the budget was like $400,000, but the movie before that had like a $4 million budget. So it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's bizarre. So yeah, I have, I'm going through some lean times right now, but you know, hopefully it'll, hopefully it'll turn around, but I I managed to squeak by, but I have to live a pretty modest life. I think, I think people assume you have a bunch of movies that are out, you know, out in the world or on Netflix or out in the world and stuff that you're rich, but it's, it's not really the artists 99 times out of a hundred. It's not the artists that are getting rich. It's the people that are paying for the movie. that are getting Oh, rich. absolutely. Yeah. So. It's just, it seems hard enough just to even get the money to make the movie, let alone then yourself get paid. Sure. And yeah. the, and the more money, the more money you get to make a movie, the more you have to answer to. Right. So do you feel that's kind of like a compromise where it's like, okay, I, I understand there's more I'm, that's held against me, but I still have to, I mean, you still want to work and make the movie, but it, are you like, do you like doing the lower budget stuff or is it scarier to do? I love, bigger it. I, I love, I, I love, oh, no, it's not scary. It's all the same thing. It's just okay. pointing a cam- pointing a camera and something and shooting it. Uh, it doesn't matter if there's 300 people on set or if there's just like five or six, you know? Yeah. It's all it's all the same thing. What ends up in the camera box? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'd love to have better budgets and longer schedules and stuff like that. The last couple of movies I've made were brutally fast schedules. Like Kindred Spirits, we only had 15 days to shoot. Holy you know, 148 God. scenes. But that I had is... a really good, hardworking crew, and we pulled it off. You know, but oh I, my God, I, yeah, that's know, so fast. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. But on a movie like The Woods, I had 40 days. And we had like a huge budget and it was a different deal. Okay. So what, so what determines like the schedule? Is that, is it just primarily the budget or is it money, 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 the resources you have? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You work, you work more days. You got to pay everybody. (laughs) Yeah. You're paying more money to rent the gear and to feed everybody and pay them as well as you can and whatever else. So are these working in the, uh, in like with the guilds? Like are these like SAG and things like that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Work with SAG and I'm in the director's guild. There's also various unions for different crew positions and stuff like that by Yahtzee. So it just depends, you know, sometimes you're working on a low budget thing that doesn't have a lot of unions, but I always have to, I always have to kind of keep in line with my union but they're really flexible director's guild's fantastic yeah because that was something that we were running into was we couldn't cast really any union people because we were very low budget no union people you just you just you just have to call you have to call the the unions and you have to you have to just they'll work with you most of them will work with you you just got to figure out what category your film falls under you know i think once the budget gets super super low a lot of that stuff's pretty pretty negotiable okay awesome yeah so yeah. uh we actually just watched kindred spirits again just a few minutes ago like we had right oh, before boy. we were just like we watched it again we were like all right let's watch it again to refresh ourselves so i, I liked it quite i like it quite a bit it kind of surprises me to hear it was made in 15 days it's that's really really quick <laughs> and it doesn't yeah, feel it like it which is uh, you know which is which is great oh thank you um so what so what prompted you to want to make it? Did you, uh, cause you didn't write the script. Is it, did you? So no, you just... Chris, Chris wrote it. My yeah. buddy that I made all cheerleaders die with. It was a script that he had written for this company, Marvista entertainment. And 
they mostly make like movie, you know, just like kind of super low budget TV movies for Lifetime and Hallmark and channels like that. But I've become really good friends with the producer that worked there. And we were developing a few projects um, that I was writing. It was just getting kind of towards the end of that year. And I was like, I, I know you guys are making like six movies before the end of the year. Do you have anything that I really want to shoot something before this year is out? Because it had been a while since I had made my last thing. And he just happened to have a script by my buddy, Chris. We're, we're all mutual friends. I mean, it just fit me like a glove. And within a week of just asking him if he had a movie on a slate that I could make, it was literally within a week. He was like, okay, we're doing it. And I was like, that's the fastest the movies ever come together for me. And it was written by an old friend, which was great. Cause I, I think I, I understand his writing in a different way. And I understand his sense of humor in a different way than a lot of people. So my interpretation's a little, going to be different than if just some Joe Schmo off the street was handing yeah, that script. That's something that I think kind of makes me nervous about. Cause we, I mean, we write everything ourselves and yeah. it's like, that when it's not do you like even if you didn't write it yourself do you kind of go in there and make it fit to your to your own way in this case this is style? the first movie this is the first movie i've ever directed where i didn't touch the script i didn't i didn't i didn't put my hands on it you know i mean every movie that i've made i've done at least one pass or 30 passes on the script even if i got even if i didn't get credit because i kind of mm-hmm. had to soak it in my bones but i know i knew chris so well and i thought the script just worked then it was just up to what we could pull off in that short amount of time. Yeah. So that's a some, big trust. Some, that's a big uh, yeah. thing of trust there. Like, is so you guys have been, it was, you know, it was, time, it was, right? it was so, I was, I found myself like so much, like not as precious in a good way, not as precious about the material because I hadn't written it. <laughs> yeah. So I was looking at it from like a different perspective and I was able to just concentrate on directing, which was, which was really fun. Really, really fun. Uh, to it had, I felt like I had a lot more kind of creative room in my brain to focus on just just getting that script in the can as best as I possibly could with with the resources that were were and were not provided to me you know? right yeah like you said so, four hundred thousand is really not a lot and then and then it go it goes real fast yeah we were looking at the the at the end we're watching the credits and we're like I was like this is a pretty sizable crew. So I was yeah. kind of like trying to guess what the budget was. I was thinking one million, but four hundred thousand. It's like, so how do you get like uh, like Dora Birch is in the film? Uh, so did they take? I mean, I don't want to say like pay cuts, but like and Macon. Bla- yeah, Macon, well, Macon. obviously, ob- yeah, obvious, obviously, yeah. Macon just did it as a favor to me. We just happened to be shooting in Austin, Texas, and I knew he lived there, and I was like, we have a lot of we're just kind of into a lot of the same stuff, and um, we'd kind of become friends on like Twitter. Yeah. It sent, you know, I sent him some books I'd written and stuff in the mail and just kind of just pen pals, really. And then when I had the chance to make the movie in Austin, I was just I just took a chance and called him up and he was available and he's in it. And his wife, uh, Lietti, who's a brilliant, brilliant woman, uh, came in and played one of the cops at the end. Oh, there's some of my so, favorite characters. <laughs> I love their yeah. dialogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. Fruit um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Lee and I came up with that when we were doing ADR for the we we're doing ADR for the movie because we wanted to just add a little something there, a little clarity. When the Fruit Loops line came yeah. about, we were cracking up. <laughs> yeah, because it's like yeah, such a so, serious and, and line. It was, it's such it was, a serious scene, and then all of a sudden, it's like she's fucking Fruit Loops, and it just like right, perfectly right, right. sets the tone for the end of the film, like the the, the closing yeah. credits. Yeah. So then the the rest of the cast 
Well, Caitlin obviously had worked before, with, yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd worked with her on All Cheerleaders Die and thought she was really special. I don't understand why she's not a big, huge star yet. Um, I think she will be eventually. She's just really magnetic on camera. Yeah, and she plays. So that, you know, that's how, so it was a lot of us just kind of pulling favors. And and one of our producers, this guy, Ash Christian, uh, had grown up with Thora and she was a really close friend of his. And uh, we just, we talked her into doing it. <laughs> and she was down and she came out and she did a great job. And then Sasha Frolova, the, the lead, the girl that plays Nicole, yeah. the teenage daughter, uh, she was just done through the typical casting process you know i just thought there okay. was a really cool quality about her there's a little bit of a dorkiness about her that i really liked um and her she had this really interesting voice and a uh, really cool cool look that just kind of lined up with how i saw the character so and then the rest of the kids were just local austin kids lo- local texas kids okay so yeah, because yeah, I was just like, because I was like, man, like I, because I always assume like, oh, you have name big names, like you're gonna pay out the wazoo for that or it was, something. It was, it, nah, nah, it, well, in this case, it was favors and awesome. relationships and I just, think that's you yeah, know, I think that's really tricking, cool because tri- tricking yeah. people into tricking. doing, doing uh, yeah. you don't have to trick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it was a great script. I don't think you had to trick anybody. <laughs> no. I'll tell Chris he said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, we were watching this, like, we, we just see a lot of ourselves and, like, a lot of the stuff we were doing. It's like, we'll get, we'll hit it off with this guy for sure. <laughs> like, was, like yeah, like, and, like, all cheerleaders die. Like, we're just cracking up the whole time. Like, it's so, it's so awesome. And I'm and like, where's the sequel, man? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, this is like a mini, like, all cheerleaders die reunion, too, because the director of photography worked on the original all cheerleaders die when he was 18 years old. He acted in it and did some, some, effects work for us and stuff like that this guy chris heinrich and years later i introduced him to my cinematographer that shot may this guy steve yedlin who's a big time cinematographer now but steve kind of took heinrich under his wing and basically taught him taught him how to be a director of photography and all these years later heinrich was shooting this movie for me so it was really special Oh yeah, that's awesome. Um, you gotta, I gotta figure, you gotta send me, that. you gotta figure out how to send me that movie or something. I want to see it. <laughs> I need to see it now. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry if I'm asking too much, but <laughs> I want to watch that original. Yeah, I, I love the fun. idea that it's like you came back, you guys came back to it. And I'm sorry I keep bringing it up, but I just love that idea that that it's just like it's such a, a, a like a, it's like where you started and then you get to come back to it and kind of see it through in another yeah. way. Yeah, totally. So do you carry like a team over? Is it a new crew every time or do you try to keep working with the it's, same it's, kind it's of crew? All, it's, it's, it's always different. It depends on people's availability, but the, the team that I, that's always, that's been on every show since, since the woman is uh, my post-production team, my sound designer and my editor have done everything with me since we did the woman together and photographers. Uh, I've, I, I kind of dance around in this like kind of group of friends that are all great cinematographers. A lot, a lot of them who worked with, with Steve Yedlin in his early days or, or were mentored by him. And then, you know, some new people along the way, but yeah, it just, it just depends on the show. Who's right for what, who's available and who, who can do it for the low rates that these <laughs> things are usually paying a lot of times. Yeah. So. Who you can rope in for that favor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
yeah uh that's just that's really cool though so it's your post-production team that's kind of, that's always been the same because post is a nightmare so it how is do you feel now about yeah post? i mean we have a, we have a shop here in el paso that we work in okay we've got our you know my editor works there sound designer and then we have another friend that just put in brand new uh color suite so we did all our color correction there kindred spirits is the first movie that we posted we did the post from every single bit of post-production was done in our shop um, oh awesome which is which is really cool so, yeah and i'm sure that that saves a lot on cost i can't i mean we're teaching ourselves yeah, how to do it everything it's, and... it's also it's also cool to be able to walk from my editing room you know where my editor will be he does a lot of the vfx cleanup and stuff too himself so i'll be like working on a vfx shot in one room and then walk next door and work on do some foley with my sound designer or go downstairs and work with the colorist it was really cool to all have that all under one roof because a lot of time most of the movies i've done in the past i usually have to go somewhere else uh, to do like a final mix or do color correction or something like that so yeah. it was just awesome to be able to do it all under one roof so that's that's how we're going to continue to do things moving forward awesome yeah you're looking at our post post-production studio right now yeah see. yeah the mat the mattresses <laughs> dead in the sound and everything yeah, that's yeah we, that's well, totally that's that's og all cheerleaders die style right there yeah buddy. dude the, these exactly aren't i know you said mattresses but these are just like insulation boards that oh well are your like, picture isn't moving i'm just seeing a still image of you guys um, oh oh well but, uh, oh sorry about there's, that there's like a yeah there's like a uh yeah it looked like there's a mattress behind you i don't know it looks like well, they're just giant insulation or the boards. Sheet? Oh, okay. Yeah, they're okay. sheets covering them so we don't get Shit, mesothelioma. Please, please. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> oh, God, I think I just got it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Steven, our camera froze. I mean, it would take too long to probably fix it, so if, if you're okay with it, sorry. Sorry. It's yeah, fine. I know, it's sorry. A, it's, a, it's a great still image. <laughs> sorry, we're pretty, we're, we're pretty janky over, <laughs> over here, so mm. uh, however we can get it done. Uh, yeah absolutely yeah so yeah um so to get away from uh some of that stuff the oscars are tomorrow are you do you watch the oscars are you excited about that kind of yeah, stuff yeah or? i watch them i kind of half half watch them yeah yeah I watch them. but i'm excited because my buddy ryan got nominated for best original screenplay for knives out so oh nice I'm, oh so you're just, you you are for, you're friends with ryan johnson yeah, we went, to, we went to film school. I mean, my buddy Steve Yedlin, the photographer, was talking about shot that. And, and we, we've all we've been friends since I was 17 years old. Our freshman year at USC, we were on the dorm floors together. And that was like our crew, you know, me and Steve and Ryan and Chris Sievertson and a bunch, you know, my composer, musician friend, um, John Luckett, who did all the music for May and Sick Girl and stuff like that. Oh, awesome. And my editor and all these people, we we you know we're all old film school buddies. We all we all still help each other's uh, help each other out on each other's stuff. And like Ryan was one of my editors on May. Oh, cool! Uh, yeah, yeah. So we've all we've all just been friends coming up together over yeah, the years. So it's yeah. pretty amazing to see Ryan get nominated for an Oscar. It's pretty exciting. yeah, that's super awesome. Yeah, like yeah. So I mean, I'm definitely fan- rooting for him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a tough year. I mean, there's a lot of there were a lot of good movies this so year. So many good movies. So many good movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, our our favorite by far is Parasite. Have you seen Parasite yet? Oh yeah, it's fantastic. It's one of my favorites too. Yeah, we we uh, actually just went and saw it, the black and white version down at the Egyptian this oh, past nice. weekend, and it's cool. almost like it's a it's almost a pure horror film in black and white. It's <laughs> sure, I bet. Yeah, I bet. 
it's totally worth beautiful it. movie it's the, the the script is just so beautifully constructed it's like the great hitchcock films really you know, oh yeah it's, it's a, almost like it's almost like written with like mathematical precision you know it's just yes, beautiful the powerhouse everything has a setup and a payoff and it's yeah <laughs> i get yeah, i literally am getting chills just film. thinking about how damn good yeah, that movie yeah. is it's almost too yeah, intimidating a, to really kind of think uh, i'm like <laughs> i'm like yeah we're we're, we're trying <laughs> but but yeah. bong joon ho is like miles yeah, ahead he's good yeah. he's pretty good <laughs> yeah 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 it's and it's, it's yeah all, i mean the oscars the oscars are you know it's ultimately pretty silly i think you know yes movies. but it's you know it's also cool to see to see stuff get celebrated i guess you know it's not it's usually not my favorite films that get nominated for those those awards but um i like a lot of the films that got nominated this year so yeah so what do you think were some of your the biggest snubs i'll i'll come out and say lighthouse and uncut gems for sure i, 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 God, I haven't seen either of those two yet um which is shameful i know i just didn't, <laughs> have, didn't have a chance to see those two yet and i really want to see them snubs uh gosh i don't know I don't know. Um, I have to think about that. Um, yeah, if you're I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think of anything else that was like, you know, I thought, you know, one of my favorite films of last year was Dragged Across Concrete. That's not a movie that's ever going to get nominated for Oscars. Oh, know? yeah. Uh, yes, I but watched that. There were that. some really, really interesting the things. The guy going that on made that Cell Block, Brawl yeah, and Cell Block yeah. 99, and yeah, Bone, Bone, Bone Tomahawk. Tomahawk. Yeah. Yeah, Craig Zeller. Yeah, yeah, Craig. Awesome. Hell, my awesome God, film. dude! I thought yeah. I, at first I thought it was a a weird kind of sequel because I was like, because <laughs> uh, uh, what's his name is in both. Oh man, Vince Vaughn. this scotch is mm-hmm. really starting to hit me. <laughs> Vince, yeah. Vince, Vince Vaughn. Yeah, Vince, Vince Vaughn. Vaughn. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I managed to I did manage to get to to watch it. Yeah, that was Drag Across Concrete was great. The ending yeah, of his thought... movies are always so damn freaking brutal though i won't do any spoilers here yeah. for because i know yeah, he, he really, haven't seen it but yeah, really goes for it. at the end of bone tomahawk that movie shook me man <laughs> like, yeah 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 it's not for the faint of heart no yeah yeah i mean my you know honestly my some of my other favorite things from last year were i thought the 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 new dark crystal series on netflix was just incredible i thought that was beautiful yeah. The, dark, the original Dark Crystal is one of my favorite films of all time, so that was a really high. I, I, I just didn't think there was any way they could do something that that I would like that much, and I thought that it was just beautiful what that director did with that. I loved how dark it was and how brutal it was. It was beautiful. I really loved Nick Reffin's Amazon show. Oh yeah, oh, uh, Too Old to Die Young. Yes, um, which I can understand why why the gripes people have with it but i just i just dig with that i just dig with that guy's laying down i just like his style yeah um, oh if you liked if you liked the uh, too old to die young you'll love uncut gems i feel it's oh uh, i know I will. well i love good, neon I love good concrete and I, and I, yeah and I, i'm a huge adam sandler fan and uh i also when i found out that darius kanji shot it i'm just like oh my god this guy's like one of the great dps he shot seven and and City of Lost Children and Delicatessen. Uh, so, oh, yeah, so yeah. many beautiful films. Uh, City of Lost Children is great. Yeah. Ron Perlman in that movie. I, I swear yeah. that guy doesn't really age. And it was like all of a sudden he was just, he just turned like 60. And I was like, what? I know. Ron Perlman, he ages? Like, what the yeah. fuck? Same with Thora Birch yeah. in your film. I'm watching, yeah. I'm, we're watching uh, Kindred Thor is, Spirit. Thor is still a, 
Thora's still super just, young. Yeah, you know? she's still in her thirties. She's still yeah. in her thirties for Christ's sake. But I'm you know? she's but just what been I, acting since she was I, a little kid. Yeah, but what I mean is like we're watching it. And I'm just like she still looks like she could play Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Hocus Pocus. Yeah, like, like yeah. she has not aged. She has not aged a day. Like I'm just yeah. like man, uh, the nutrition. Like, Nutrition it's and that, the technology, just keeping these guys young. <laughs> yeah, it's that, it's that clean living. Yeah, yeah, and it's all eating, eating too much Del Taco over here. You guys got Del Taco <laughs> out there? <laughs> I think we probably do. But I don't, I don't, I'm a Del, Del Taco guy. Del Taco and In and Out, man. <laughs> we have so many good little mom and pop Mexican places here in El Paso that it, yeah. just, it seems it seems absurd to go to a fast food restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're and they're and they're cheaper than the than the fast food restaurant. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. I. I mean, some other stuff uh, that we want to talk. I wanted to talk to you specifically about uh marketing. What do you, like now that you're uh does Twitter like uh, essentially affect like how much marketing budget you kind of get like how do, how much was the marketing on your shoulders for Kindred Spirits as opposed to was there even a marketing? It's all. It's all, it's all. It's all on my shoulders. They did zero. They did absolutely nothing. They're completely worthless. <laughs> they just dumped the movie on VOD. I don't even know. Why, I don't even know why they made it. It's like they don't want to make money. Yeah. They did. They did absolutely nothing for the movie to promote it. Yeah, because that was something I wanted to. Add. Yeah, that was definitely something I was thinking about. Because really, it was you and other uh, Twitter people that have been really pushing the movie. And I was like, you th- you'd think like you'd be able to see something like uh, we uh, watched Underwater. I don't know if you've seen Underwater yet. No, I haven't seen it yet. I've, um, but we're just like, this is like an eighty million dollar movie. Like, where's the marketing? Like, I it's like, like I feel like it's all on Twitter now. And I was kind of curious as what your take is on that. Is know. that like too I mean, much responsibility on the filmmaker to have to self market? If, if 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 I knew anything about marketing, I would probably be much more successful. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I can you know, I thought. You know, one of the reasons Knives Out did so well, I mean, not only is it a great movie, but their marketing was fantastic. You know, they clearly, they really, really got the word out on that movie. Um, and it was just a really smart campaign. Oh, yeah. I mean, the cast for that film is insanely bonkers, too. That helps. Yeah, I think yeah. That, that helps a lot. Doesn't, doesn't hurt a thing. You know? <laughs> but, but also the movie delivering, it's all well and good to get people to come out like the first weekend. But if people don't, people don't talk about it after that. It's, you just got to make a good film. Yeah. Yeah. So. Cause, yeah. Cause I mean, that's something that we're, we, uh, we kind of were, are talking and struggling with. It's like, okay, so once we're done with our movie, what are we going to do with it? Like, how do we even get people to see it? Like, it's kind of scary to think, to think about yeah. it. It's like, it's all on us to market. It's like, I got 48 followers on Twitter, man. I can barely get, right, <laughs> get right, people right, right. To, to, to look at my podcast, let alone yeah. To I know. Give it's, us... it's tough, man. It's yeah. tough. I, I struggle with it too. You know, I've, I've, I'm established. I've got stuff out there. You know, it's yeah. still really, really difficult. Yeah. It's something. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, technology put it to a way where, yeah, we can do it all ourselves, but there's everyone can do it now. So it's just, yeah. it's so yeah. flooded or crowded, I guess. You got to make, you got to make good stuff. And then you, you know, you, there's a fair amount of luck involved too. You know, you yeah. just got to. Yeah, I so, mean, I mean, it's cool though that we can, you know, we can connect and then talk with you. And I think, I mean, I think that's one of the the coolest parts about just being in this in the filmmaking community is everyone seems pretty approachable. At least I've been trying to talk to the people I want to talk to, and everyone's been pretty re- re- receptive. And just oh, getting people awesome. in here to come and talk is 
is awesome because I mean I we love making movies, but we also just love talking about movies too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean that's that's a that's a large part of my life as well. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah, and we've we've interviewed some uh, some other people we just met off Reddit, and they just like came up and we talked to them and we're helping them try to get their movie out and and it's just like wow it's really cool like how everyone it's like everyone just really wants to kind of help each other and i don't ever i haven't gotten anyone that's just like fuck off you suck like <laughs> yeah well that's good that's yeah. good it's, i mean i'm sure uh, it's probably out there but up. luckily i've i haven't had to worry about it right right <laughs> so yeah so uh so what's next do you have any projects coming up or what's on the horizon for lucky mckee uh, I have a, a, a bunch of plates spinning right now. It just depends on who's going to like pony up, make, you know, there's a lot of talk, but I have a personal project I'm really trying to make right now. It's based on a book that I wrote with uh, Jack Ketchum called I'm not Sam. Um, I'm, I'm working really, really hard to find the financing myself and put that together with my people here in El Paso. And then I've got a couple other things just stuff that I've been stuff that I'm recently attached to direct and, and, and other stuff that I've been attached to direct for seems like forever. We'll just, we'll just see where the wind takes me on that stuff. But anytime I'm not trying to like hustle for writing work or, or director for higher jobs, I'm just kind of sitting down and concentrating on this, this personal, this personal thing. I'm not saying cause I'm, yeah. it's really special to me. It's one of the, one of three books that I wrote with Jack Ketchum and, uh, I'd still really like to make the other two that I haven't made yet. So okay. So what is like the uh, average time for from getting an idea from concept to where you're trying to get it funded? Is it completely random chance, or is it like I no, need? No, it's it's it's, it's, all, it's all about the script. I mean, once you have a script, you're confident enough in, you just start sharing it with people, and you see if you're getting the kind of responses you want if the what you're trying to communicate is landing if it's not you work on it some more and until people get excited about it and then then you just have to be relentless i mean the the big thing about the film business that i think a lot of uh, it's all well and good to encourage people but and i'm not saying this to be discouraging but you have to have really fucking thick skin if you want to if you want to make commercial art specifically oh, movies because it's it is you know 999 rejections and one yes right that gets you there so you get rejected a lot i know actors really understand that because they have the auditioning process and it's the same for actors that's a really hard it's a really hard way of life but you just you can't let it get you down you just have to be persistent and just keep going and you know just will (laughs) will it to be right is it you feel like they don't get the vision or is it just sometimes is it they're not it's like they don't it's understand very strange it. since since i started making you know since i made my first kind of legit movie with may back in the early 2000s since then the box for what sells and then the, the the box that people put genre in which i think is kind of silly but like in terms of like what they think they can sell those boxes have gotten smaller not they haven't become you'd think that they would go the other way around but right you can also see that in our society. We're going backwards in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's really scary. Just, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's really fucking scary. Yeah. Um, but it, it's the same way with movies. And, I, you know, I think that, you know, it's like a slow motion train wreck. This, the same thing that a very similar thing to what happened to the music industry, getting gutted by file sharing online and all that kind of stuff. 
that stuff's happening to movies. So it's like the low budget movies are like, are the budgets are just like, it's like, I don't know how much lower you can get to where, you know, where they're, you know, I've got people that are shooting. I know people that are shooting movies. I thought a 15 day schedule was impossible, but there's a lot of people shooting movies in 11 days and 12 days. And it's like, of course the quality is going to suffer. That's why I don't think the, the indie genre scene is, is as strong as it was when I started out in terms of like the, just the quality of the films. And there, of course, there's great stuff that, that manages to get by because there's really, really inventive people out there. But I mean, a lot of us are just working with fucking popsicle sticks, you know? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, trust me. We know. <laughs> uh, yeah. And with financiers, you know, it's like people that, have money want to hold on to their money and, and making movies is an incredibly risky it's it costs a lot of money and it's incredibly risky to have it hanging out there because even if your movie is successful it can take two or three years to see even just see a return any kind of return once it kind of goes through the mechanisms that it needs to go through so so i don't understand why more these people that just seem to have like tens or hundreds of millions of dollars don't just finance their own stuff and put it out themselves i don't yeah, that's I don't understand why more people that, that I don't understand. So when I when I hear somebody that has fifty million dollars in their bank account bitching about how hard it is to make movies in Hollywood, and I'm just like, "Fuck you, man!" Like, you you have the means to do whatever you want. You just uh, I don't know. That's that's like a whole other whole other ball of wax. But I feel the same way about like when you see a hundred million dollar movie fail. And yeah. it's like, well, you could have made how many five million dollar movies, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, and then how I many know. of those? And you look at the money that, like, you know, my buddy, a buddy of mine was talking about just how Netflix is just like spraying money all over the place on all these projects, and it's like, man, if they just had like a you know a little niche like thing where they were just giving out a million bucks a piece and to twenty different movies or something like that, it's like it, at that point it only. If if the investment is that low, it really only takes like one or two of them to actually be a hit for that to be a successful endeavor. Oh, and, and that's I think that's why Blumhouse is so successful because Blumhouse makes a lot more than than uh, than really gets notoriety. I mean, they they crank out a lot of stuff. It's a volume business. They're getting a lot of they're getting a lot of films made. And they're giving a lot of people chances, and yeah, one out of twenty things they make becomes the sensation, but. If you're making the things at a reasonable enough cost, you can do well that way, and they clearly have. Yeah, I really, admi- I really admire, I really admire what they've done. I don't, I'm not, I'm not wild about most of the stuff they make, but I, I love, I love the way they're doing it. Yeah, same with like A24. I feel they only need a few hits a year to kind of yeah. keep them going. Yeah, and then they can keep making movies like Midsummer or uh, even yeah. uh, Under the Silver Lake. I think is an A24 film. It's like. Yeah, there's like, yeah, I feel like that's started becoming more and more popular. Blumhouse, though, really was like the spearhead for that. Yeah, I feel like where because, yeah, and there there, there was lots of people before Blumhouse, too. I mean, Roger Corman was was the master of 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 low budget filmmaking. And look at all the great directors that came came out of that, you know, all those people that he gave shots from Joe Dante to Coppola to Scorsese and. Jonathan Demi and all those guys right. came out of, you know, came out of a scenario like that. And you'll see, you'll see the same thing happen with Blumhouse. I think years from now, you'll, you'll, you'll see that they helped a lot of people get started.